This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. The World Cup is over and Liverpool are very nearly back in action once again. Joining me today to preview the return of the proper stuff and have a little bit of a chat around the break that Liverpool enjoyed are Paul Gorst and David Lynch. Richard Garnett potentially joining us a little bit later on in the show as well, but we'll see how we go. We are recording this live, so as ever, if you've got any questions or comments, do stick them into the comments section. We'll try and come to a few of those as we go along. But, Gorsi, we'll start with the World Cup final. Obviously, Ibrahim Konate was involved from a Liverpool perspective for a short time in extra time. Not the result that he would have wanted, but I have to say it was nice to see Lionel Messi get his hands on that trophy. What did you make of, of the final? It was, a, it was a pretty good game, wasn't it? <clears throat> for 80 minutes it it was a bit it was a bit like france had really suffered you know this virus that, that has been going around the camp i thought they were they were just totally off it weren't they i thought the likes of jules Koundé and and dembele in particular were just so far off the pace it was untrue and after about an hour you're looking at it thinking well this is just going to be a bit of a procession for argentina they're probably going to score a third and then you know, in the coming days and weeks, we'll probably hear a little bit more about how kind of sapped France are from this virus because they were just so, so far adrift of what they had been throughout most of the tournament. Um, and then uh, Colo Muani, who was probably France's best best player on the day, wasn't he? Obviously off the bench, he uh, wins the penalty, and Mbappe sticks it away, and then before you know it, it's two two, and it's all to play for again. And that extra extra time was was incredible, wasn't it? Um, you talk of Canate there. I thought that ball he played through right at the end was was unbelievable. Outside of the foot, over the top, put um, put him clean through, and Martinez makes a brilliant save. Argentina go up the other end. Martinez fluffs his lines, and then eventually uh, Argentina winning on penalties. And I think you know for your kind of your your romantics, I think seeing Lionel Messi walk away as a, as a world champion. It's probably the, the story that everyone wanted to see, didn't he? But um, yeah, it was a bit of a final for the ages, wasn't it? Uh, but for eighty minutes, it, it didn't look like that at all. But that's kind of been a little bit how this how this World Cup's gone and how some of the games have gone. I think about Argentina against Netherlands. You know that Argentina were cruising through in that one, weren't they? Until Walt Weggles, you know, bags a brace with 10, 15 minutes to go, and it, it all changes again. So yeah, it was um, it was an incredible final. It was a a memorable World Cup in, in flashes, particularly the final group stage round of fixtures. Um, but I think from a Liverpool perspective, we're all glad it's done and dusted now when we can turn our heads towards uh, Manchester City at the Etihad on Thursday night. Um, of all the teams to draw in the Cup, first game back, it is City. And then uh, the Premier League picks up on Boxing Day, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We'll come on to that very shortly. Just before we move on from the World Cup final, Lynchy, just in, in terms of, of Conor, I wrote this actually for our Liverpool.com newsletter today. It kind of feels like for, for him, there'll be many more chances. You look at the, the spine that France will have moving forwards. Him at the back, Aurelien Chouameni, Kylian Mbappe, 
they're probably going to get to more finals. He will certainly hope to, to get to more finals with Liverpool. It, it kind of feels like the the start of, of something for for him. It's you know the, the second major final he's, he's played and, and lost this year. But let's maybe focus more on the fact that he, he got to those finals and, and we'll get to more of them in future too. Yeah, absolutely. He, he will fancy his chances of getting back there one day, and he, he should do that. You know, there's a limited pool of countries that end up playing World Cup finals anyway, and, and, and France is definitely one of them. I mean, you look at the strength and depth you've got. They're going to be challenges going forward, and they've got so many great young players going through. and And I think also you've, you've seen sort of with with, with Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, you know, you can say sometimes, okay, losing finals can become a bit of a habit. But then he completely broke that cycle, didn't he? And then you know, at one point, you know, lost his first three finals at the club, and then with a similar group of players, went on to win a load of finals. So it's you know, you you don't worry about anything like that. One thing I would say from Canate's perspective is, you know, he might think from a personal point of view that he was sort of very unlucky not to start that game um and i and i think i, I completely disagree as well i've seen a lot of people say that upper meccano justified his inclusion with those sort of couple of late blocks from martinez shots i totally disagree with that i thought upper meccano was all over the place as he has been for for parts of this tournament in fact you know think back to his performance against england uh, misses the semi-final canate was was absolutely colossal in that game incredible as he had been throughout the entire tournament and i thought upper meccano there um, was, yeah, I, I can't see how people are saying that a defender, a central defender who was so integral in the concession of two goals, had a good game because he made a couple of blocks late on. I thought, you know, I thought his fingerprints were all over the, the, the second Argentina goal in terms of giving the ball away and then leaving a humongous gap behind him. And then the third Argentina goal, he pulled, he gets out to Martinez, but doesn't get anywhere near him. So the layoff comes and then this huge gap in behind him. And that's where the shot comes from. Um, and I, I just think Deschamps, he, he, he spoke about sort of having some regrets and, and, and the regrets he spoke about were, was the way that our, uh, France sorry, played in the first half. But I think, you know, given a bit more time and upon deeper inspection, he'll wish that he started Ibrahim Canate in that game because, you know, France were, I thought, poor defensively and, and, and conceded three goals, you know, in, in, a, in a totally different way to Argentina's three goals they conceded. I think they were sort of unlucky to concede three. France weren't. I, th I didn't think up a Meccano was up to it, and I think Canate is arguably the superior centre half and should feel like he, he should have he should have started that game. And, and let me mention as well, he yeah nearly sets up the winner right at the death and won the corner from which France get the the, the third goal, uh, the the penalty for the third goal. So yeah, he, he couldn't have done more really to sort of bolster his case for starting that game, and, and Deschamps should regret that. I think. Yeah, I'm sure in the uh, the Euros in a couple of years' time and, and in future World Cups, you'd, you'd think that he would would be a nailed on starter, and, and that kind of ties into to what I was saying before, really about it being the the start really for him, and and so much more to to come from him. But uh, let's move on then to uh, the proper sort of stuff that we want to talk about within this podcast. The, the Liverpool angle, Gorsty, obviously, as you mentioned, back in action this week. Obviously, you were over there in Dubai for the training camp. What, what do you think they will have been working on? In fact. I know you, you spoke to Andy Robertson about exactly that. What what will change when Liverpool come back from this break compared to what they were like before? Yeah, I think one of the key themes of, of the best part of the fortnight that they were in Dubai for was working on more the tactical and technical elements rather than being a fitness-based mid-season programme. We know when they go to Evian or Schalfelden in, in Austria, it's very much fitness-based, double sessions, hard running, the, the lactate tests and all that kind of stuff. But this was... This was a lot more about video analysis, tactical details that they were looking to work on, in particular from the front to work on, on the press. Um, we've seen that within 40 seconds, didn't we, against Leon in the, in the first friendly, you know, Liverpool win the ball, high pitch and 
before you know it, the one that looked through Fabio Carvalho. That sort of stuff is, is very much what they've been working on. So Klopp would have been absolutely delighted to have seen that. And he said as much actually after the game in, in the press conference. He said, um, no, he saw quite a lot of things that they had been working on, and that really pleased them. Uh, from the kind of 60 minute mark in, in that friendly, the team became a lot more of a youth team and, and they started to lose the shape and whatever else. And, Leon were able to come back into the game and, and eventually win it. But you know, for the for the first forty five minutes in particular with the senior players, there would have been a lot three game club to be encouraged by, and um, that was taken into the the entire game against AC Milan. I guess you know Liverpool score again from kind of having numbers in the, in and around that penalty area. Joel Matip striding forward to break up the lines. Firmino involved. Salah scores. And then um, really became the Darwin Nunes show from about 65 minutes onwards when he, you know, he came back to training on Monday. You know, linked up with the with the team in Dubai after flying in from Doha and the short break with his family. And he was so positive and direct. He had a really strong run down the left wing early on and nearly laid in Salah. Took his first goal superbly after a great ball from Bobby Clark, and then you know taps in at the end from Ben Doak to to grab a second of the game. So I think there were a lot of things for for Liverpool to to be working on and. Um, a lot of issues that they kind of need to iron out. And, you know, I think it would have been a really kind of um, beneficial couple of weeks for them in Dubai because, as I say, it wasn't something where they were just working on, on fitness. It was very much, you know, detail-oriented. And that's something that they don't always get the chance to do, don't they? We know that with the schedule that they have, it's, it's very much press conference, game, day off, press conference, game, day off. And, and that... Is very much the cycle when, particularly when you, you end up playing 63 games in one season. So, yeah, um, you know, it looks like they've used the time wisely, but um, the proof will be in the pudding over the next coming weeks and months. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it, Lynch? We thought that that would have been the case in the summer. Obviously, it didn't quite work out that way, but there is, I think, you know, reasonable amounts of, of hope that Liverpool can put a few bits that they got wrong in the first half of the season right in the, the second. What What is it that you're especially looking forward to, not just against Manchester City? Obviously, we don't quite know what that game's going to look like, but over the sort of next few months, what, what do you think is, is going to change for Liverpool? Well, if we see the sort of restoration of that high press and that aggressive front-footed football, I think that'll make a big difference. I think, you know, that that's something that, you know, is a big talking point for the first part of the season is sort of the team looking slightly lethargic, not being, it, you know, whether it was a tactical decision to sit off slightly more and, and try and conserve energy because of the, the way the season was laid out. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I, it didn't work and, and Liverpool were too easily got at, too easily played through. Um, so you want to see that sort of principle being restored and, you, want, you know, and, and I think that that would certainly improve results and, and performances. And so, yeah, I think that's that's sort of something to look forward to where they've made those tweaks. And and just to see generally what else they've been working on, because, you know, there, there were other tactical tweaks we saw at the start of the season with, you know, most Salah's position, as much as Jürgen Klopp wants to deny that that actually took place, that was definitely a thing they were trying at the start of the season. Um, I'm sure they will have come up with something else slightly different in this time. And they've had a lot of time to think and a lot of time in the training ground, as Gorsi says, that they don't usually get to work on these things. So, you know, hopefully see a, a, a slightly different Liverpool and, and, and you know, a slightly different in a, in a better way um, because we, we need that. I think, you know, that I thought there were improvements toward, you know, leading up to the break, certainly, and, and, and reasons for hope. But, you know, you you were, you were thinking they needed to just get to this reset and, and, and really change things then. I think there's still the blow we spoke about so many times of, of what's going on on the left-hand side with Luis Diaz out again and, and Diogo just still out. You know, that's one of the big things they're going to still have to cope with. 
Um, but hopefully there's been enough time to work on that and they, they know who's going to be there and, and who's going to play that position for the in the short term. And then hopefully you can get Jota back fairly quickly and, and, and you know, really sort of build up some momentum going into the latter half of the season because Liverpool need it. They're not in a very good position at the moment in the Premier League. And, and yeah, they, they, they need to sort of hit the ground running from this restart and, and just, you know, ride that wave really till the end of the season. I think it'd be really interesting to, to see, obviously, collectively what they come up with, Gorsi, but there's a few individuals as well that I think will really benefit from a rest. Mohamed Salah is, is one of them that we should mention as well. Is the, the winner of the, the Fans Footballer of the Year. We can talk a, a little bit about that, but he in particular is, is one of those players that I just think, give him a few weeks off, let him rest, recuperate. He doesn't often get many chances to, to have games off, but he's had a good few weeks now. It feels like he could be one that really benefits from this. Yeah, you hope so, don't you? You know, Salah doesn't miss a game for Liverpool. He's never injured, is he? The only games he tends to miss are the early rounds of the domestic cup games. And um, it's no different at Egypt, really, is it? You know, we went the Africa Cup of Nations and played virtually every single minute. I think he got brought off in stoppage time of, of one game. And they went all the way to the final and played. And had to get there via penalties in, in every single round. So he, he played a remarkable amount of minutes, actually, when, when he went to to um to Cameroon in, in February. I think it was seven hundred and fifty minutes between kind of the second week of January through to the first week of February, which is a remarkable contribution from his part. And then he has to come back to Liverpool and, and kind of lead the charge for the second half of the season as well. And if you remember that Leicester game when he was at, he started on the bench, but he was just so desperate to to basically come on and, and you know but the disappointment of losing the, the final on penalties behind them. He actually played 20, 25 minutes in that game. And um, it's just been an extraordinary output for, for him, really. Um, so I think probably more than anyone, he will have benefited from this break. And um, he, he was just kind of finding form, wasn't he, just before the break, um, particularly that game against Tottenham when he got, the, he got the brace. I think he's up to 14 goals for the season now. And when you think probably hasn't flew out of the traps as, as you would have hoped or would have liked. That's still a really impressive return. So, yeah, you think of all the players you might have benefited from from this break, he'd certainly be, you know, in the, in the top three, I'd imagine. And if he kind of does come back at full pelt, then Liverpool's chances of, of finishing in that top four are going to be massively improved. And he's going to be the, the main man to do it, isn't he? We know Darwin Nunes was, was uh, in a bit of form himself and then you've got the, the news of Luis Diaz. He's on the shelf alongside Diogo Jota. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of pressure on, on those two in particular, I think, to, to kind of fire Liverpool back into the top four mix. But, um, you know, there are worse players to be relying on the Mohamed Salah when you need, uh, need results and you need goals, I suppose. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just, just to come in on one of the players, sort of, I'm looking forward to seeing and, and seeing how they react now. Is is Fabinho? To be honest, I, I think you know, he had a really poor start to the season. Sort of started to start to get there a little bit, but he's you know spent much of the first part of the season really being shouted at Jurgen, shouted at by Jurgen Klopp from the sidelines. You know, he was getting it down the banks every week, not playing, not looking himself, not looking like he had the energy to get there. And I suppose we'll really see now whether the World Cup was a factor for him, whether he was thinking, I just want to protect myself to, to go away with Brazil and make sure I get there. I don't want to pick up injuries because he has he has been prone in the past, hasn't he, to picking up little muscle injuries, uh, you know, little hamstring problems, things like that. 
So, you know, if he was protecting himself a little bit, you just hope over the second half of this season he, he can, you know, really show his best. Because um, Liverpool need him to as well. You know, as much as there's talk about signing midfielders, I'm, I'm not particularly optimistic that that will happen in January. I think that's still something for the summer. Um, and if so, you know, Liverpool are going to be reliant on the current crop. Maybe you get Artemelo back and he makes a contribution. Yes, Naby Keita's fit again and he can he can play a big role. But you, you, if Liverpool are going to hit the heights that they have in previous seasons, they, they desperately need Fabinho to rediscover his form. And, he, you know, he's been miles off it this season. And, and let's just hope that, you know, that, that little break, and I know he went to World Cup and, and probably a disappointing end, but he can come back with sort of a renewed vigour and, and really show his best form again because Liverpool need him to. Yeah, there's a good few players in, in that sort of position that you think would would benefit from this break and, and be able to to kick on. And just to, to touch on the, the fans football of the year thing again, Gorsty, obviously Salah, the, the Liverpool um, winner from that perspective. I suppose it's, it is it is in part because a few of the other key players haven't maybe stepped up. Is, is Salah the, the worthy winner for, for you? Do you think was that the, the right result? And, and is that going to continue to be the case into to 2023? Uh, well, I think once it goes to the public vote, you're almost nailed on that Mohamed Salah is going to be the winner, isn't it? You know, he's the absolute billion of Egypt, isn't he, with their 90-odd million population and, and the rest of the Middle East, really. I was speaking to a couple of people out in Dubai and, and they were just saying how kind of a hero he is for the entire region. So uh, no surprise, really, to see him winning that. But was he a worthy winner? Um, I'm not sure, really. Um, you know, a lot of people were pointing towards Alison Becker's claims. Um, I thought he's had a sensational calendar year. Um, Thiago Alcantara was good. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really suggest as being an absolute outstanding candidate for, for this calendar year. It's a bit of a strange one because there was a two-week break in January and then the Africa Cup of Nations. So you, you can only really start that from kind of mid-February and then... Liverpool haven't played since November the twelfth, um, and obviously you've got the end of the you know the end of one season, the beginning of, of another season in the middle of that as well. So that's two months, is it two and a half months? So there's not loads of football to kind of choose your winner from really, and and it's 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 been Liverpool at, at, at different parts. The Liverpool have struggled at the start of this season, and Liverpool who were absolutely flying at the back end of last season. So I don't think there's been that many outstanding candidates really but ultimately when it does go to a public vote Mohamed Salah will win and it's not as if he's been terrible is it by any stretch of the imagination I think he scored 24 goals in 2022 across all competitions so you know um, still a really really strong return most most strikers would bite your hand off for that so um, I wouldn't say he's been the overwhelming absolute nailed on winner but I, I, I can't grumble too much at the fact that he has won it to be honest yeah, I'm in total agreement. I think it's uh, one of those, like you say, when it goes to a, a public vote, kind of inevitable. And like we said before, Lynch, I mean, with, with Salah, obviously the injuries in attack, Liverpool are going to be heavily reliant on him. Roberto Firmino as well is, is going to have to step up again. He's already played a, a lot of, of football. There's going to be a lot of pressure on on those two players. But again, two players that I would say would, would probably benefit Firmino, particularly given the amount of football he's played this season by just having a few weeks off and, and being able to reset. That's it. If you if you're gonna have to ride these players, then the best way to do it is off the back of a sort of unprecedented break and, and rest that they've had. So, you know, they'll they'll know they've got a big job ahead of them now in these, these coming sort of weeks and, and, and Luis Diaz not being there and Diogo Jota not being there is just such a pain, really. Um so you know, yeah, you're gonna rely on these players. I think the one thing you'd be encouraged by, particularly with when it comes to salaries that 
you know, they did towards the back end of that first part of the season really start getting him in goal scoring positions again. And, and that's absolutely vital to do that. Um, you know, it's also helpful for both of those players as well that Darwin Nunez is is, is now, you know, back in that period again, he, he started to really look like the player Liverpool thought they were getting um, and, and picked up where he left off in the friendly. So, you know, immediately sort of put the World Cup behind him um, so so he can sort of help lighten the load. I'm just going to be interested to see what that whole, you know, how he lays out that front three now in terms of does he does he now because of that injury again, does he stick with Darwin Nunez down the left-hand side or does he, because he's been experimenting with it, is it going to be Oxlade-Chamberlain or, or Fabio Carvalho coming to do a job or just a mix of three and, and, and sort of see see how it works out from game to game? It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But the, yeah, those those couple of players there are, are going to be absolutely vital for, for Liverpool's hopes because they, that attacking depth just isn't quite there at the moment because of the injuries and, and they're going to have to pick up the slack. And, and one thing I would say is that it, it sort of helps that Firmino, before the break, was in sort of the goal-scoring form of his life, maybe not playing the best he's ever played, but... If you've got goals in the team, then maybe that's that's hugely helpful in terms of getting you over the line, even in games where you're maybe not playing your best. Yeah, I think the the rest is going to be important, that opportunity to to reset. But I think they also have to do a bit of business in January as well, Gorsley. We've all sort of agreed on on that and, and needing new new blood to, to come into this squad. But how likely do you think that is in January? Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um I think I think they've got a speculate to accumulate essentially you know because Liverpool don't get in the top four this season it's going to set them back years because we know Liverpool particularly with the way that FSG run the club with them being you know self-sufficient and all of that they can't really afford to not have the Champions League money um, and let's face it they look more of a glamorous prospect for any external investors or outright buyers if they're a club within the Champions League as well don't they so so there is that so they've tended to cut the cloth accordingly and, and if they've been a little bit risk averse in in some Januaries, you know, you think about two years ago when they were absolutely crying out for, for the centre back, like you like you wouldn't believe and, and they still only brought in Ozaka back late on loan, uh, and Ben Davis who, you know, couldn't pick him out of a lineup if I'm being honest. So you know, at times they've they've been too cautious, but I think looking at this one now, the January and, and the looking up at the table, I think maybe now is the time to be a little bit more um you know bold um to take a little gamble here or there um because if they don't and it doesn't quite come off for them then looking at next season and they're not in the champions league and you know that just sets them back you know of their ultimate aim of eventually challenging man city again for the premier league title doesn't it so i, I think this is a massive month for liverpool coming up actually in, in terms of you know off the field and also as well it's going to be julian ward's last transfer window as sporting director and someone who's uh, been at the club for over a decade everyone knows inside the club how talented he is so to kind of tie one hand behind his back would be a crying shame for Liverpool and and you know if they don't do any business in, in the summer and what he has done is to be his kind of legacy as sporting director um I think it'd be a little bit of a shame really particularly with with Ian Graham going the same way as well so maybe January could be the time where we see a little bit of a Caution to the wind from the the ownership and the pair strings are loosened a bit, but I'm a bit like Lynch. I'm not hugely optimistic on that front. I, the, I, the thing is, as well, I just think you know we we saw last season when you give Jurgen Klopp the tools that are almost similar to Pep Guardiola in terms of depth. If you give if you give him those tools, look what he can achieve. I, I, I can't understand this. You know, going into this season with with clear weaknesses in the squad. Um, 
what the thinking was behind that. It's it's just madness. You know that there is the money there. I, I don't. I also don't buy the idea that Liverpool is skinned. It's it's just not simply true. You know, you, you can we can look at the accounts. They're publicly available. Um, Liverpool have the capability to to spend and spend big in in, in certain positions and, and needed to and, and and just didn't do it. Um, you know and. Okay, you're not going to solve all your problems in the January window. It's difficult. For example, I, you know, don't expect Jude Bellingham to move in this window, and we know he is Liverpool's number one target for midfield. Okay, totally understand that. But you, you, you can do some things. There are deals to be made there. I, I saw the story yesterday on on Sky Sports about um, Moises Caicedo. I thought the the wording of that was was very interesting in terms of. You know, it was very much couched from a Brighton side of things in terms of, oh, the, you know, there's interest and we don't want to let him go. But, you know, it would have to be a big bid if we were to let him go. It's almost, you know, the hint is out there that, that Caicedo could probably be got in January if a club was interested in stumping up the money. Um, and I think a lot of clubs could be convinced in that way if the, if the money's there. So I, I just think, you know, even if it's not to, to save this season, I think Liverpool need to start building towards next season and the, those clear weaknesses in the squad. We, they do need a forward going into next season, particularly Firmino's going to leave. They definitely, definitely need two, if not three, central midfielders. You, you know, if, you, if you're if you not going into the market this time to save this season, then at least do it to, to start the rebuilding process that's going to need to be done next summer because it's it's going to be, there's a lot of business needs to be done next summer as far as I'm concerned. And, and you, you're probably better to get ahead of that now. Um, and, and Liverpool can afford to do it. The capability to, to do it is there. Um, you know whether they make the sporting choice not to do it is, is up to them, but I, I would I would strongly disagree if that's the route that they go down. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you, you look at, at Luis Diaz. Obviously, the impact he had in the second half of of last season was important, but it also, like you say, meant that he could start the start of this season knowing exactly where he needed to be and, and all the right positions and, and all the rest of it. It kind of gives him a bit of a, a running start for, for the start of, of the season to come as well. But uh, yeah, it'd certainly be be interesting. I mean, Moises Caicedo Gosti is, is one that is, has been linked. I mean, there's there's loads of, of names out there for Liverpool, but it is just kind of finding the, the right price, I suspect. You know, given how much money Brighton get for players, it, it's probably not the easiest club to get a player out of. Yeah, there is that, and there's also the kind of the um, the, the nuts and bolts and, and the data and the specifics of what Liverpool midfielders need to be able to, to produce in terms of their numbers and whatever else that makes them suitable candidates for, for Liverpool's midfield. We can all sit there and, and watch football as, as fans, as, as as laymans, if you like, and we think, oh, you know, he looks a good player, he, he's had a good World Cup, I like the look of him the last few months. But ultimately, these are the guys on the inside who, who were paid the money to to choose the right people for the club, and it's um it's an almost flawless recruitment um history, isn't it? Over the last five years, you can't really think of of many who you think Liverpool have signed and and you think well, that one quite hasn't quite worked out. Um, the only one I can really think of is, is maybe Navigator, but then you look at what Liverpool have won since he's come to the club, and he has made you know decent contributions to those trophies and whatever else. So. Um, what we think looks looks good as a midfielder might not necessarily be right for Liverpool, so it's it's a difficult one. And, and I do think midfield in particular is, is more difficult to judge because if you're an attacker and you can kind of pull something out of the bag and, and it looks outstanding, then everyone can everyone knows that that looks like as football watchers and fans and followers. Um, whereas if you see a dominant commanding centre back again, that's that's quite easy to spot, isn't it? As someone who, who watches football, but Midfield is a lot more nuanced and subtlety to it at times, and I think that is why 
you know, some midfielders aren't necessarily on Liverpool's radar who you're looking at are thinking, well, why aren't they? Because he looks like a player. There will be reasons for it and, and, and against it and whatever else. And that's ultimately why they are a kind of revered recruitment department because of because of um, these decisions that they've, you know, more often than not got right over the last, well, certainly five years, I'd say. Yeah, still about two weeks, isn't it, until the uh, the January transfer window opens. So still a bit of time for Liverpool to work on any possible plans. Of course, we'll keep you updated if there are any updates and fingers crossed they can get one or two. And I think it would be really, really useful. But a couple of matches before that, obviously, Manchester City, Lynchy on Thursday. I know that Guardiola has already been talking about only having four or five players available for that game. It is, to be fair to him, going to be quite a strange one to, to see how it looks like, not just in terms of kind of which players are playing and which ones aren't, but also what condition these players are in. I mean, among the, the four or five will be Erling Haaland and, and Kevin De Bruyne, I would imagine. So it's not the uh, the worst Manchester City team in the world, but it is going to be a, a weird game, I would say, on Thursday. All the, the midweek games are going to be a bit strange. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I, I feel for Guardiola a, a little bit. I do. I do just hope for him that he can cobble a, a team together somehow, some way. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the conditions he has to work under are, are, are despicable, really. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be. It's going to have a little bit of a vibe of the the Community Shield earlier this season, really. I think in terms of it's going to be a bit chaotic because of you know different players at different you know times in terms of where they're up to with the fitness and the, the, you know some of them coming back from World Cups, some of them not quite there. So you, you're using young players and, and and it's going to be a really sort of mixed match uh, couple of teams we see so I think yeah it could, it could be a bit of a chaotic game and, and, and that could really make it exciting I think um, we've, we've got a sort of fairly good idea what Liverpool's team is going to look like and how strong that could be so your hope is that because Manchester City had so many players involved at the World Cup that that, that sort of weakens them quite a bit more than it does Liverpool and and, and you know Liverpool can come out on top but like I say I, I do think it's going to be a bit of an end-to-end and a bit of a mad game just because of the nature of you know where people are up to in terms of fitness and that that gap and and trying to find the rhythm again so it's it's going to be an interesting one and it it just feels crazy that i'm going to be sat there in the freezing cold that you had to have four days after the world cup's finished watching a, a carabao cup game it's 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 a mad one but yeah it, it's something to look forward to as well and i think for liverpool as well there's not loads riding on it i know it'd be nice to defend the league cup but i think the priorities this season are go as deep as you can in the champions league and, and just definitely get a top four place so it's, it's almost a little bit of a free hit for both sides, isn't it? And for Liverpool, especially with it being away from home. So it's, yeah, it, it's one to look forward to, really. Yeah, it's just good to, to have it back, isn't it? I mean, Newcastle and, and Leicester, they're in, in action tomorrow. That's only two days after a World Cup final. So at least Liverpool have got a little bit of extra time, Gorsty. But what, what are you expecting from the game? Is it is it one that you're looking forward to for being a, a Liverpool-Man City game or will it not really feel like a Liverpool-Man City? I don't know really, and I suppose the the team news will will reveal all that. Uh, I actually think it's a really big opportunity for Liverpool because, like you say, they Leicester and Newcastle have drawn each other as well. Both, excuse me, they're both both in action, aren't they? But look at who, who's already out of the um, out of it. You know, um, City knocked Chelsea out. They need Tottenham are already out. Arsenal are already out. So if Liverpool can can see off City at the Etihad, kind of opens the field up a bit, doesn't it? And um, it's it okay. It's not the kind of number one priority, but um, once you kind of get into to the stage of the, of the competition, you think, well, why, why not? Let, let's go for it. Particularly if, as I say, if you, if you do see off a team like City, who 
have generally got the, the squad. I mean, I think they've won did they win four in a row before Liverpool won it last year? Um they have kind of dominated this competition in recent years. So I think it'd be a good tune-up for, for the seniors as well, the ones who are going to be involved at Villa on Boxing Day. I don't really buy the idea that you're still wrapping them in cotton wool for that game. So um, I think we will see a, a relatively strong Liverpool side. Um, no idea what the, the City team's going to look like, in all honesty. I haven't really followed, followed them too closely. But um, imagine Haaland will be playing, given he hasn't gone the World Cup and he'll need a little bit of a tune-up himself. So, yeah, it could be one of those kind of frantic, you know, chaotic, dare it even be said, fun games at the Etihad on Thursday. But I do think if Liverpool can get by City, um, then it does open the field up a little bit. And then you're looking at, well, why can't we go for it? I mean, I don't think Liverpool have got the squad that they had last season that enabled them to, to go on and, and do that. But, um, you know, why not go for it, you know, if, if you do manage to, uh, to get through at the Etihad? Yeah, certainly be interesting to, to see which teams each manager goes for and we'll pick our teams now just to, to finish off course I'll come back to, to you I think we expect within Kelleher will be in goal but what about the, the back four could be uh, similar to, to what we've seen in the friendlies do you reckon? Yeah I think so um, I'm not too sure if Calvin Ramsey is okay but I think Milner will start um, should be Robertson at left back could easily be Simakas couldn't it um, but at, you know centre half I don't think Matt Phillips will, will get in ahead of Gomez and, and Matip, Matip hasn't played too many minutes. I think he had a really good, solid 65 minutes against Milan on Sunday. Uh, played the first half against Leon, So this will just be another step forward in, in his comeback and um, I think he'll play alongside Gomez. Yeah, is that the, the same for, for you, Lynchy, Milner, Matip, Gomez, Robertson? You're on mute there. Oh, I'll unmute myself. Oh, it's a classic Zoom error. Um, yeah, I, I think... Um, I think he's he's clearly to start both friendlies with that back four suggests that he's you know he's he's eyeing up that that playing at the at the Etihad and and yeah I think I I'd be very surprised if there were there were any changes to that to be honest. Yes, I'm going for for the exact same one. I'll, I'll stick with you, Lynchy, for the midfield. I think the the midfield is is interesting. Obviously, Stefan Bicetic, we've seen it in the the friendlies. He was one who was picked to, to start in in both. I think wasn't he? And really did look impressive. Be a big shout to, to put him in at the Etihad, but it is a possibility. Yeah, and I think it feeds into that idea that um, you know that even Klopp maybe sees this as a little bit of a free hit as well, and and, and not having Fabinho back, it's just a good opportunity for Bajcetic. And I think he's he's been so impressive whenever he's come in, not just in these friendlies, but I think you know he's had bits and pieces of sort of first team action in the first half of the season and, and looked really really good, so composed, gets about um, real quality on the ball, so really good opportunities for him to play with a team that's you know not quite the first full strength team but 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 you know not not miles away from it and so uh, yeah I, I expect that midfield to sort of be similar really that by Chesic, Thiago, Alcantara and, and, and Elliot maybe will will start this one and um, and on paper a really sort of exciting well-balanced midfield I think. Yeah, I think that's the the three that I would go for. Of course, the obviously Naby Keita is an option. I think Jordan Henderson's done a couple of training sessions. Whether he would start, I don't know. Possibly could be involved. But which which three are you going to go with? Yeah, just to kind of be play devil's advocate a little bit, I'll go with Keita back in the midfield. He obviously hasn't played any competitive minutes since the Champions League final, I think, um, which is incredible. Really, um, obviously played a little bit of a cameo in the Community Shield, and then. That was the last we've seen of him until these friendlies in Dubai. So 
you know, he's he's coming into the last few months of his contract. He can actually speak to clubs, can in a couple of weeks outside of England about a pre-contract agreement. So if he's got any kind of long-term hopes of staying at Liverpool, then he's going to have to start doing a bit and, and doing it sooner rather than later. So I'll go with him in, in midfield alongside um, Pacetic and um, Thiago. Interesting, right? I'll stick with you for the front three. I suppose Salah, Firmino and, and Nunes, is it? Is, is that probably the one that you go for or possibly Fabio Carvalho? Uh, I, I think I'd go with Oxlade-Chamberlain over Carvalho, if I'm honest. But the options are stretched, aren't they, at the moment? You know, Liverpool have only got three recognised senior specialist forwards, if you like. And um, I'm just... I don't know whether I'd just temper maybe starting or resting one of them. Um, I think Salah will start. I think Firmino might. Uh, so I'll go with Oxley chamberlain on the left and, and Nunes to come on even when he's needed. Interesting. Lynchy, which way are you going with the forward line? Yeah, I'd, I'd written down Salah, Firmino and Oxley chamberlain I think, you know, with, with Nunes, maybe want a bit more time to get him sort of up to up to speed before he sort of throws him in, but it, it, it's kind of interesting actually because it, it will give us some sort of a hint, won't it, in terms of how he sees that that left sided issue, whether he does just throw Nunez back in there and, and and sees him as a, an option there until either Jota or or Diaz is back. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting, but I think if he's got the choice there of Oxley Chamberlain or Carvalho, I think Oxley Chamberlain's experience and the fact that he has scored goals for Liverpool's you know over a longer period of time. Um, and actually filled in quite handily last season in, in the period during Afcon and, and scored a couple of goals and was important. Then you know maybe that will just get him the nod if he if he doesn't want to play Nunez there and then eventually brings Nunez back in in, in a central position. Um, so yeah, I've, I've gone for Salah Firmino and Oxley Chamberlain. Mm, it's interesting. I think I'll go for for Fabio Cavallio, but he's a, another one Oxley Chamberlain in the uh, the cater bracket of not long left on his contract and a bit of work to to do really to to earn either a new one. Probably more likely a move elsewhere, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. We'll uh, quickly go around and do match predictions. I appreciate this is incredibly difficult to predict. We don't quite know what the teams are going to look like for for either one. But uh, Gorsty, Liverpool to, to win, or how do you reckon it might go? Uh, penalties, why not? Liverpool have got a great record on penalties, haven't they, um, of late? So might end up going all the way to penos, and then why not pick Liverpool? Yeah. Why not? Lynchy, Liverpool as well? Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit chaotic, like I said. So maybe there's going to be goals in it and, and 3-2 Liverpool. Haaland, obviously, to score twice. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm sure he'll uh, be keen to, to get on the score sheet. The same, same with uh, with Mohamed Salah as well, to be fair. Both of them, uh, I'm sure, absolutely chomping at the bit, ready to come back to action, as we all are as well, to see Liverpool back in action. We'll leave it there for today's show. Though. We'll be back on Friday with the next Blood Red podcast. Plenty more content before then elsewhere around the channel as well. Obviously, an exciting period of the season ahead for Liverpool. will certainly be an interesting few weeks from all of us here, though. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.